Thank you, gentlemen. I was about to say, if you guys want to add lights in the back, ladies and gentlemen, I am Smurf with Colorado Festival of Horror, and this is the ematic and always wonderful Jeffrey Reddick. Please. Thank you guys and gals for being here. So, where to start? Jeffrey and I actually have a bit of a history yes. together. Him oh. and I, I mean, so many Alamos ago yes. that we did um, interviews and hung out and drank and... Good God, what has happened since then? <laughs> well, I got sober um, <laughs> since then. <laughs> I mean, you know, I applaud your commitment. I, as, as I'm grabbing both of my drinks. Don't try this at home, kids. I'm a trained professional. So, Jeffrey. Jeff? Jeffrey? We never covered that, I actually. still like Jeffrey because it makes me feel young. So... You don't have any volume. So Okay. I still like Jeffrey because it makes me feel young. Well, you are young. I know. You? By, yes, by older people age standards, I am very young. So, <laughs> and your standards, you started extremely young. Yes. So, for the ones new into the, to this, you started Final Destination, which I am still waiting for you to kill me. I'm still upset that you have not brought me into a film and not killed me yet. That will happen someday. <laughs> it will. It will. These are strange goals, everyone. I mean, how often you're like, I want to be in a movie. No, I just want to be killed. I don't even I want, want to be murdered. Lines. I just well, want to be murdered. I, I mean, I can murder you just like on, on my iPhone. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. That's a good thing. <laughs> but yes, um, I guess I'll tell the story. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of fun. So I started watching horror films when I was like 13. You know, my mom would let me and my friends do that because we weren't getting any trouble. You know, we weren't out drinking or doing anything. Um, and I saw the first Nightmare on Elm Street when I was 14 and um, just loved it. It's my favorite movie of all time, very influential in my career. And uh, went home and wrote a prequel idea on my little typewriter and um, found out that Bob Shea ran New Line Cinema, which put the movie out. So I mailed it to him, and he sent it back, and he's like, we don't take unsolicited material. And at the time, you know, I'm a 14-year-old hillbilly living in eastern Kentucky in a trailer up a dirt road that doesn't know anything about how the business works. And I also did not know what unsolicited meant, so I had to look that one up. And so I sent it back to him, and I'm like, look, sir, I have seen three of your movies, and I've spent $3 on your stuff. So I think you can take five minutes and read my story. So he did. He read it. And he got back to me from New York. He you know, e or emailed me. <laughs> Snail-mailed you. Snail-mailed me back. Um, but it was just kind of that spark of encouragement that I needed. And so I ended up staying in touch with him and his assistant at New Line while I was in Kentucky. And I went to New York when I was 19. I went to Berea College in Kentucky, which is a, a wonderful college, and studied acting. Because uh, my original dream was to be the first biracial um, Team Beat Centerfold, but that didn't happen. Um, so, As so many crash dreams, of, of, I'm sure everyone in this room. <laughs> um, and I went to New York to study for the summer at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts and got an internship at New Line Cinema and just kind of got lucky and got an agent and started auditioning and just stayed in New York after that. And I worked at New Line Cinema, started off as a intern for about a year and then worked my way up to like a floater position where I was kind of filling in for all the executive assistants and then 
worked um, in TV and marketing. Had many scripts that I wrote that I gave to the company that they passed on. So, you know, your first couple of things are not good. <laughs> um, and I found the coverage for my first script that I sent them where Bob's assistant had been like, yeah, I got really good coverage, but you need to just focus on this. And I found the coverage and it's like, this was obviously written by a middle schooler. And I was like, I was in high school. How dare you? I was in How high dare you, sir? Um, but yeah, so after many years, like, yeah, when I, um, I, in 97, like, I had a treatment for Final Destination, um, knew that because I'd already given them a lot of stuff and everybody else at work there was a writer, that I probably should get a producer attached. So I went out and got uh, Craig Perry and Warren Zide attached as producers, and we brought it back to New Line. And it was a hard sell, because they were like, we don't know how you can make a horror movie where you can't and see. And they hadn't yet. They really, this was like uncharted territory for them because they're like, what do we do with this? How do we approach this? Yeah, yeah like how do you make a horror movie where you can't see the, the killer? It doesn't mm -hmm. make any sense to us. And we were like, that's the whole point. So, and at first it was adult characters and then Scream came out and so they're like, make them teenagers. I'm like, okay, we'll make them teenagers. Um, and then after like eight, probably eight months of back and forth, the producers are like, if you guys pass on this, we're just gonna go to Miramax. And that's all you have to do is threaten to take it somewhere else. I'm like, we'll buy it. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Back up, back up, back up. We want that. Yeah, yeah. That would have been, yeah, and thank God because I, yeah, that would have been awesome if Harvey Weinstein did my friggin' first movie. Um, that was sarcasm. <laughs> Just to make that. One, clear. one funny joke. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like that story I just like to tell because, you know, I, had a dream when I was 14 about what I wanted to do and the actions that I took weren't like I had no master plan I didn't think oh well, Bob's gonna read this I mean I thought maybe he would make it like goofy like a 14 year old thought he's gonna love this and make it but I didn't have a master plan about like how this was gonna play out and it was like five years later when I was 19 that I happened to be going to New York and got the internship so a lot of a lot of this business is certainly persistence and luck and the grace of God and people helping you, but you just never know how things, like seeds that you plant are gonna grow. Um, and that's the, one of the biggest life lessons. I turn into like black gay Oprah when I get on You did. I, 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 I just start giving life yeah. advice. But, um, but no, you never know. Under your chair is a book. Everybody, get, <laughs> congratulations. You get book, yes. And you get a book. You get a book, you get a book. <laughs> but no, you never, but you never know how, especially if you're in the creative field, you never know how a seed that you plant today is gonna grow somewhere else. So that's why I'm like, just never give up. Um, you know, and never give up the hope because the hope is what kind of gives you that blind, like, gumption, for lack of a better word, to do something like tell the president of a company that you spent three dollars on his stuff. Like that's, matters. I mean, that's ballsy. You're like, hey, bitch, I gave you three dollars. They built a whole movie theme on that sole subject. So I, I have a question. I don't. Really, I actually don't know the answer to this. Um, so what in Nightmare on Elm Street moved you? Because you, you see this film mm -hmm. and something tr obviously triggered that you go and yeah. write a, a prequel, which I would love to have heard and seen that. Yeah. But what, what was it that in Nightmare on Elm Street completely flipped the switches on? Well, you know, my friends and I started watching horror movies more because it was kind of something naughty you know like how can you watch that stuff it's gross and so we would look for like the bloodiest and for my friends they were like we want boobs so it was like the bloodiest boobiest horror movies we could find and that's all we were watching 
And um, there was a double feature of um, Alone in the Dark and Nightmare on Elm Street playing at the drive-in. And so the trailer for Nightmare on Elm Street didn't impress me because it, it, I didn't find out till later the print got washed out. So it looked a little, it looked cheap on TV compared to other stuff. So I watched Alone in the Dark and I was like, that was scary. And I had no right. idea about Nightmare on Elm Street. And yeah, a chick gets dragged up the wall. It, it hit because I, you know, I was at 14. I was not a connoisseur of horror. <laughs> so like the the kind of psycho switch out where you think Teen is the lead character. Uh, the special effects were like crazy, like I'd never seen, it, you know, they called it, fan. I remember the trailers called it fantasy horror. And except for maybe Phantasm, I don't think any other films can be categorized as fan or fantasy horror. And for me, Nancy is the best final girl. And I mean that as far as the written character as well. Like I love Jamie Lee Curtis, I love all the final girls. But Nancy was the first one who didn't just run from the killer and then fight back at the end. Like she started investigating immediately and then she went into his territory and dragged him out and like so having such a strong character and then I started reading interviews with Wes Craven about how he was inspired and I'm like ah oh, there's more than bloods and boobs to this these movies I don't know you know like it because he was a he was a scholar I mean Wes Craven was like brilliant and so I started really reading into it I'm like oh you can tell a lot of stories within this genre like it's not just about murdering people no and you can actually explore a lot of darker tones and like even like mindscapes as you have because some of your later films that you have done on the independent circuit have been mind-blowingly fresh and just wild I, we saw one um, I think it was the writer's retreat in Georgetown uh -huh. and that one with uh, which yeah, Dead Awake. Dead Awake, and that was, I mean, that whole premise, I mean, yes, very, you know, Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street in, in inspired, but you still went, like, even darker and explored different avenues. So yeah. when you were putting that together, what were you, like, scripting, or what, what, what was your architecture? Well, it was, you know, I, when I write a story, my first question is, how is this going to be something that people universally are going to relate to? Because that's a story for any kind of, film that you write, I think, is the universality of it. And, you know, sleep paralysis, I had no idea how big of a phenomenon that was. I'd suffered from it. And then I started researching. I'm like, holy crap, this is like a big thing. And um, so I was like, well, this is a cool way that I can get into that nightmare psychology. Um, but then you have to say, you know, since so many people have it, how do you make this where the night hag like attacks one person? Like, why is the night hag killing everybody? So you it's know. like the tooth fairy of dreams. Yes. <laughs> so you have to. So you know you have to start working on a mythology. But I wanted to keep it very character based. I love the movie. I feel like I'm a. Whenever I say this stuff, I don't ever mean to sound ungrateful because I love all my babies, even the ones that are really not great. Because you have to learn to love them because that's how you stay grateful in this business. But you know, with Dead Awake, like. We had it set up at a studio, and then the studio decided they weren't going to do horror films. So then we had an independent producer pick it up and love him to death. But because we didn't have any money really for anything visually, like they decided to make the night hag like a woman in a suit. And so in the script where there were things where you'd only see a glimpse of a shadow, it's like now we have a creature woman that looks like Samara from The Ring. So it's just overexposed as a, as a, for a horror villainess. So I still love the movie because there's 
you know. There's some great elements. There's and some like great the elements. whole peril, but like her laying in the bed and just stuck staring at the ceiling is just. I still get chills. I yeah, goosebumps yeah. right now thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, no. And the only reason I'm saying it is because he's talking. I still love the movie. I just don't want you guys going home going, "Oh man." I mean, oh yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not building this in any way, shape, or form. No, but I'm not unbuilding it. I'm just saying, like, I've never had a Final Destination budget for any movies that we've made since Final Destination. So I get a little spoiled with with those budgets. And I love making in indie films because you can get them made. At least, you know, made it's by hook or by crook. So. Um, I'm very grateful for that, but a lot of people always go in expecting like, you know, they a final expect destination. final destination. Yeah, Absolutely. and it's like, yeah, we had like five hundred thousand dollars for this movie, um, <laughs> and special effects and people that will hold stuff, and instead yeah. of everyone doing every other job. So after Dead Awake, what comes next? What do you do after that? And you're like, okay, what do I want to do now? Um, after Dead Awake, I. Produced the movie with the same director because he works out of Austin, Texas. Amazing guy. Um, but then I also wanted to get more into having control over my stuff. So I was going to, well, I did. I directed my first film, which is showing tomorrow night. Yes, I was going to yes, say tonight. It is. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Um, thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, and I'm very proud of it. But again, same story. We had it set up at a studio, had like Virginia Madsen, had. Um, like um, oh, some big A listers. No, we had some big, big names for it, and then we got back from location scouting. The company's like, we're like being bought by another company, so we can't do the movie. And then my producer's like, well, we can shoot it for five hundred thousand in Baton Rouge, and you don't have to change anything. And I'm like, okay. And then, um, yeah, it's a fun movie, but and hopefully, if you're here tomorrow, I would actually love you all to watch it. But. Um, of but course, yeah. everyone is going to be here tomorrow night, right? Yeah. Oh. All right, there we go. But, but so I decided to move into directing and producing more because I just want to have more control over what happens to my stuff. But also, my goal has always been to be at a position where I can help other filmmakers. And I went through a period where I was kind of helping filmmakers by just letting them put my name on a project, like as an EP, even if it was like, a really bad movie. You became Steven Spielberg of horror. Yeah, but not the Steven. The Animaniacs had nothing to do with Steven Spielberg. <laughs> but I went through a phase where I was doing that just to help out independent filmmakers. Um, but then my agent started going, "You got to quit doing this because <laughs> you're killing me, Small. You're killing, killing me. Small. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start lifting." So I have one more movie coming out of Kentucky <laughs> that I did that with, which is really fun. But it's like Terrifier, but with no boobs. Um, well, shit. Well, but I ain't going to watch it. it. It's really fun. Um, so out of all these ones that you strapped your name to, was there one that you're like, OK, I kinda, I'm, I'm kind of feeling this one? I'm, I'm just trying to think. Um, I, I'm also a little jet lagged, so my brain's not working. Uh, I'm, just going through, time. I'm just going through the catalog like, of stuff. No, there's there, so many. No, there's not anything that I put my name on that I'm like, I'm mortified that my name is on this. All right. Um, but what's your favorite one? I mean, you're like, okay, oh, this one's fun. I like this one. Um, probably The Call. Okay. That was, um, I worked on a movie called The Final Wish with this director who'd been hitting me up on Facebook for like years going, hey, can we, do you have any you know, scripts? And I was like, no, dude, because people just hit me up. You know, I don't mean that like cocky. Um, no, but people just like, I mean, let's face it, Final Destination broke ground and everyone wanted a piece of, of you. Well, and also people think, 
you know, they don't understand how, like if you Google my name online, it says my net worth is like, it ranges anywhere from five to $20 million. I don't know where Google. Jesus Christ. No, no I said, if you Google on net, I don't know where the F they got that figure from. Cause I have never even had near a million dollars anywhere near my bank account. On your way out the door, <laughs> Jeffrey will be signing blank checks. <laughs> So people just assume that it, that I have a, you know, my sister thought I was a millionaire until she visited me. And then she's like, oh, you live in an apartment with a roommate? I'm like, yeah, it's New York. I don't, I told you. Yeah, everybody lives in an apartment with a friend. <laughs> so, um, so, but, but I, you know, I, I, um, I really enjoyed working with Timothy. Uh, the final wish he'd never done horror before. So I wanted to kind of like drag him into the genre because I knew he'd get hooked. Um, and so... That one was really fun because we got I got to work with Lynn Shea for the first time and Tony Todd, and then oh, and together. Yeah, deep deep ties with Tony. I love Tony yes, so much. Amazing. Yes, amazing. Um, and then we did a movie called The Call, and that one was more fun because on the final wish, like Timothy, the director, was like, I don't want to do what I see him doing in horror films. I want to do the opposite of what they do in horror films. I'm like, no, no, that's. There's a reason they do this stuff. Right, right. unicorns on thing. rainbows on the way out the door. I mean, what, what was the opposite so, of horror? So with the call, it was just more bloody. And then Tobin Bell was in that one, too. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, it was great to meet him and work with him. Um, but I think that probably the final wish and the call are, are my two ones that I just put my name. I mean, I worked on I didn't work on them. I didn't right, just put my name on them. I didn't work. Yes, I did actually work on them. I didn't just slap my name on them. But... Um, those are probably the the ones that I didn't write that I became involved in that I that I think are the most just fun. So now that you kind of added directing, writing, you've acted, you've appeared. Yes, I. I so out of all of the process and the positions, what do you find the most fulfilling? What do you go? Okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this. You know what? It's so funny because I think post COVID, I think the world kind of went through this where we're trying the blip. To... Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone went nuts. Yeah. So, you know, you start assessing your life and, you know, I, 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 I still love writing. It's just the business is really tough. I mean, I had the fortune during um, COVID of, of working on a couple of animated shows. So I got to work in animation, which was really cool. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did, did some spooky kid stuff. Yeah. Oh, like Goosebumps stuff? No, not well. It, one was called A Tale Dark and Grim. So it's based on the Grim Fairy Tales. And the other one was um, Samurai Rabbit, the Asagi Chronicles. Yeah, so I watched some of that. It's mm-hmm. a spinoff. It's a YA spinoff of the uh, Usagi Uchimbo. So, you know, I got to work in cartoons, but, you know, I, I really, I'd love to produce, you know, um, but again, that takes money and, you know. Money and time and stuff. And, and yeah, so it takes, but, but I really would like doing that. And I, I have to say, like, the acting bug is never quite left me um you you look like you were unfulfilled at the end of that role you, were, you wanted more <laughs> i look at the camera and i'm like please cast me in something else so oddly enough you wrote that you wrote your own death you wrote yourself <laughs> out that is hilarious so yeah so no but it's like you know i i i do feel like where i want to go now is more in the producing arena i don't want to stop writing by any means uh, but I, I mean, could to... you stop writing at this point? You still seem like you're a fountain of ideas. Yeah, it, yeah, no, I couldn't stop writing. Like, I would, I would still have to write. It's just with the business kind of changing the way it has. Like, when I was when I was growing up back in the day, back um, in my day, you know, you could sell a treatment to a studio or you could sell a script to a studio, and then they would go out and they would get an actor and a director, 
And now when you take a script to a studio, they're like, well, who's your star? And it's like, well, that's your job to get a star on here. Um, and they're like, no, well, we need somebody. <laughs> above my pay grade. Right? <laughs> yeah. So we need, and then it's like, well, we need somebody attached who's got like foreign value and international sales value. So then all of a sudden it's like they expect you to have like, you know, an A-list star attached to your script. And it's like, you you know, it's the catch-22. Like, so the business is just getting crazier and crazier. Well, not all of us are Adam Sandler and have like this infinite pool of friends that we pull I, from. I have a lot of friends. You do have a lot of friends. But, I've hung out with a lot but, of your friends. But they're not. But, they're, but I don't. I don't. I don't have like. Yeah, I don't have like. Oh, are you kidding? You Tom can Cruise. Drop, shut to Tony Todd. Yeah, no. Tiffany. Yeah. I mean, oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Mm. She was in Picard. I know. I loved it. Anyway. Did you Did you call her when she was on Picard? Of course I did. What'd you say? No, I just said I. Fucking, I'm so proud for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for cursing. Are there kids here? No, there's no children. It's, okay. it's a horror, and it's after hours. And have you ever heard me not curse? Yeah. <laughs> no. <you're> not. <laughs> let's, let's be honest. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I tend to curse a lot when I get on a mic. I don't, I don't curse in real life, but you get me in a podcast or a mic or around small children, and I'm just like, ah. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what it is. I really... You're just like, <laughs> the, the barriers come off, and let's just be crazy. <laughs> So, okay, walk me through this uh, animation, because this is cool. What pulled you into animation? Well, I mean, that's so far out of your, your comfort zone. Yeah, you know what? I, I got very fortunate. There was a company that had already optioned this book and had were, it, were navig navigating, negotiating a deal with Netflix. Navigating is actually have, you have to deal with fucking Netflix. It is. Uh, <laughs> and um, they realized that they didn't have any writers who had done scary or spooky stuff, so they called me in for a meeting, and I loved the book, and we met, and then I didn't hear from them for like nine months, so I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't get the job, and then they called me up and said, hey, sorry, it took nine months to do a deal with Netflix because they're dicks. They, they didn't say that part. I'm saying that part. Yeah, that's, that's just uh, Netflix, yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I, I got to work on that and had a great time. And then the uh, showrunners on that show got hired to do a soggy, so they brought me over to, to work on that as well. And, um, yeah, just I had a great time. It was working in diff a different genre, writing in a writer's room, which when you're used to being a solitary Ooh. writer your whole life, all of a sudden... Get to go and sit in a room with other writers. Fear the Walking Dead. Here you come. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I love TV. Like I, that's I would love to work in TV. Just because it, it is hard work. But if you're writing by yourself, it is like a cakewalk. Like I worked on this NBC show, Midnight Texas, for a season um, as a story editor. It's like you go in and, you know, people are just casually because you have eight hour days, so nobody's rushing through the day. And some people you can tell are just dragging stuff out because they, you know. Collecting the paycheck. Yeah. 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 Tap, but, tap, tap. But you have a whole break. room where you're bouncing ideas off of everybody, and then they feed you, you know? And it's like, wow, this is. Ooh, like, then that time comes. It's like, it's like this is heaven. I'm not sitting in my room or at a Starbucks in the corner by myself. Um, so I, 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 I'd like to work in TV, writing especially. All right. Yeah. Did you ever read any of the comics? Yasagio Yimbo? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I read them after I got the job. Oh, after? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. You could have been a nerd. I mean, no, I mean, I read comics. Like, I read, but no. I read comics. I mean, all, I, yeah, I, I read lots of comic books, but I, I, besides Akira, I didn't really know oh, anything. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. So, um, I learned a new appreciation for that, for Usagi. 
So can you talk about stuff you have coming up? Are you in the midst of something? I can, it's a weird thing because I'm in SAG and I'm in AFTRA, so I'm not allowed to promote any upcoming work that I'm acting in. So I, I'm not acting in anything. Right. Um, <laughs> um, it's okay. No, no, no. Here's what I'll say. You have say. a Doritos commercial coming up Here's, for the Super Bowl. <laughs> that would be sweet. Um, <laughs> no, what I can say without breaking any any rules, and this I'm not directly involved in this, but I'm very proud of this. Like, there the new the next Final Destination will start shooting once the strikes are over. Like, it's that's it's been, that's huge. Yeah, we have um, John Watts who did the uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man uh, movies. He wrote the story. Uh, the writer of the Scream, the new Scream remake. Right, the new Scream uh, yeah, franchise. They're doing the, he wrote the screenplay, and um, I read online that Tony, I, I, I know stuff about the I just can't talk about it. But Right, right, within the reason. But yeah, but I'm really excited about that. Um, going into production once again, I have to bash the AMPTP for not doing a fair deal. Um, and then I had a movie that I was going to direct, a slash movie that I was going to direct in Canada, that got put on hold because of the of the um, strike. So once oh, the strikes are over, going on. so once the strikes over, I will be directing that movie, which is my first slasher movie. So I'm really excited because all, all my stuff has been supernatural um, horror, and so I just wanted to write a really good slasher movie. Really? And I How did it feel changing gears? It, it felt awesome. You know, I got to get a lot of the stabby out. You know, I didn't have to get all the intellectually thinking about creating. Did you have ways. a lot of stabby reserved in there? You're like holding it back. Yeah. It's like, mm. yeah, yeah. This this like sweet, cuddly demure or outsideism. <laughs> there's some there's some stabby. There's a little Chucky in here. Oh, there's a little Chucky in here. Um, and he's getting little. Don't get him any sugar, everyone. <laughs> just, just no cupcakes, no sugar, no quick hand movements, nothing like that. No, but um, anyway, no, but um, <laughs> no, but it, I, it's based on that super. It is based on the superstition that deaths happen in threes, you know. And no, I'm totally, I totally believe that. Yeah. Yes. So it's it's set on a campus where two people have died. So somebody starts like an internet Deadpool, where you bet on who you think is going to die next, and then the person behind the Deadpool. Of course, our lead character ends up winning it. I lose every year because I'm betting on Ozzy Osbourne, but that melody just keeps going. <laughs> anyway, continue. I'm sorry. And then Ozzy Osbourne's in my mood. No, he's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um And so, yeah, so, so the, whoever created the Deadpool starts going after the people, and it's, it's just a really fun thing. Ooh, that's a nice twist. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah, thank you. I, got, I still got a few, few, you get a few twists, tricks. few tricks at my sleeve. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Then I'll just start remaking the same. I'll just start remaking my old stuff over and over. You're not Wes Craven. Stop. Just don't. Oh, do that. don't do that. No, I, no. Are you kidding? I was, Wes Craven is fucking amazing. Don't, yes, don't yes. talk. Ever. Don't talk bad about. You keep Wes Craven's name out your mouth if you're saying something bad. I mean, he. I've been put on notice. He, like, come on. Like, I mean, know. he did. He did Trailblaze. He was. He's done so many. I mean, did so many amazing movies, and actually did. Kind of the meta thing with, you know, with Wes Craven's new nightmare before Scream Game even came out. Um, Twisting it on himself. Yeah. So, yeah, he's just a, such an inspiration. You know, we've definitely lost him too soon. So. so, what can we expect from the film tomorrow night? Okay, you're not no. supposed to preface that question with a laugh. No, I wasn't, expect, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that question. Well, uh, well. No, no, I... 
I don't know what you're... I have a formula, and I'm like... Yeah, but you're, Five drink, minutes behind. you're drinking. I have no idea what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, valid point. <laughs> and I got a glass. Keep talking. I got a glass over here. Go on. No, tomorrow, um, the movie is based off a short uh, called Good Samaritan. And the setup is that a group of people witness somebody being assaulted in a public park and don't intervene. And the person ends up dying. And then someone or something is coming back for, you know, is after them. Revenge. So, but you don't know if it's a person or something supernatural. So if if you come tomorrow, it would be cool, potentially. I'm not telling you what to do tonight. But if you go home tonight... He's totally telling <laughs> what you do tonight. And you watch the short, because I did... Originally, I was going to do a supernatural version of this. So the short is supernatural. Mm -hmm. And it's got Rain Wilson in it. It's got Toby Hemingway, who was in The Covenant, Rennie Harlan's Warlock movie. And it's got a cameo for anybody who's of my age... Um, Jane Badler, who was Diana in the original V. Yeah. She's in I it. I love she's that show. She's just got, she was in Australia, and I am a huge geek, so Nightmare on Elm Street and V are like my North Stars for TV and movies mm -hmm. growing up, and so I've always loved her. And so I was like, I loved Michael Ironside's character in that, oh, yeah. in that show. Yeah, he such was a like such a badass. Yeah, yeah, such a badass. But back to Jay Badler. And um, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, no, I, I reached out to her agent, and he's like, well, she's in Australia. And I'm like, well, I, I well, then I, I guess I'm going to Australia. No, no, I'm not. I, I'm not a millionaire, dude. <laughs> oh, I, that's right. I'm sorry. Those checks have been canceled. I, I guess. I guess. No, but I reached out to her, and she's like, absolutely. You know, if you just, you know, yeah, just find somebody, and they can shoot me here. And I, she just has, she has a line, but it's very Diana from V line. Um, okay. And so, um, so the short is the supernatural version of how this story would have played out. For the feature version. Uh, the producer before the one who financed it was like, well, why don't you not do it supernatural because it, that might feel too Final Destination-y. Um, and why don't you make it a mystery so we don't know if it's real or if it's a killer. All right. Like that, that, That's a, that makes sense. That makes sense. But then I'm like, but then we can't show any of the actual murders because it'll give it away. Clues. So we were like, well, that's when we were going to get like big name actors to play all the characters because we're like, well, if we have Virginia Madsen playing... Like, a big role. Who kills the main star in the first five minutes? <laughs> you know, then we can get away with probably not having, like, a lot of blood. So um, so what you can expect I, is an entertaining mystery. Um, it's an all-young cast. I'm very happy with all of them. I, I adore the cast. Um, you can look forward to. Unfortunately, a lot of people were expecting it to be like Final Destination. There, we just again we couldn't show the murders because of the nature of the story. So there's not a lot. There's not really on-screen deaths. So that. But it still makes you think. It still makes you think. All right. And um, oh god, I had something funny. Oh yeah, it's not funny. It, well, it's funny. Well, it's not now. Like it's funny. Ha -ha. Yeah. No, it's also got the longest fucking opening credit sequence you've ever seen because the like producer... Like, longer than Star Wars? Like, where the credits are running Yeah, like, the, the producer, for, like, a $500,000 film, the producer promised everybody, like, an opening credit scene, so it's literally three and a half minutes of just names going by, and I'm just like... Oh, my God. Um, so you can't expect the longest opening credit scene, but after that, it's a fun, entertaining movie. <laughs> so out of all like the celebrities and people that you've worked with, is there someone that you're like wanting to work with future or you're like, I really want to do something or a collab or something with someone? I mean 
Yeah, like I, <laughs> I mean, Wes yeah. Craven's dead, unfortunately. Yeah, he was he was definitely that would have been huge. That would have been huge. Um, it's you know I have just friends that, that you know we've talked about working together. Like I'm, you know, and this isn't a, a, I got to quit quantifying everything because I don't want to sound like a douchebag. But like Kevin Williamson is a, is a really good friend of mine, and we've talked about maybe doing something together. Like there are people like that I'd love to to work with. Um, but talent wise, you know, like I. Except for Robert England and Heather Langenkamp, like I and Jamie Lee Curtis, I've got to yeah. work with oh, like Jesus. I've got to work with my favorite, or at least meet my favorite like icons. So, you know, I can kind of die happy tomorrow, um, just having met them and having them be a small part of something that I'm right. so, so you're like, oh, I'm pretty yeah, I'm pretty easy to please. Um, so I, I have to ask this question just because it's just been like the topic this weekend. But what's been the craziest fan interaction that you've had at the cons, you know, since you've been on the road? Because I've heard some crazy stories this weekend already. And I, I want yours because I've already seen some of them. And I'm like, mm, it's got to be crazier than that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I will say, honestly, I've been very fortunate that I haven't had any, like, at convention like weird stuff going on with fans um so that's good i've just i just have some fans you know there's no way to your talk. fans are very loving my fans are very loving i have a couple of people that have some you know developmental challenges i will i mean you know just being honest so i give them a lot of latitude but um sometimes yeah they can just be very angry if i don't like get them into a convention for free for the whole weekend, and we'll start tweeting about me and stuff, and it's just like, that's the stuff that bothers easy, me. Yeah, you're like, easy there, beast. Like, I, you know, like, I have to be, yeah. Yeah, so that's not, I haven't had any, yeah, like, I don't have any. Yeah, I mean, you haven't had, like, people sitting in your front yard, like, you know. No, I had, I had, one, I had one stalker in my whole life, and it was literally, not, I, I'm not getting personal, too personal, but no, no. it was, it was one, it was a guy I went on, like, one date with, and then he would just call me and ring my bell and be like, hey, I just have to be in the neighborhood, and I'm like, you live, like, 10 miles from here, so, um, <laughs> but that's all you do is ring my doorbell, and I'd be like, uh, don't just come and do that, and he would be like, okay, and he would leave, so I don't have any, like, I just wanted to see if you'd answer the I door, just, bye! Yeah, like, I, I don't have any, like, crazy, I mean, I don't really want one, because I had, I know some people have had some scary stalkers, so, but I just joke, like, I have, like, just the one lame stalker my whole life, and he's just like, hey, I just happened to be in the neighborhood. I brought you sushi. Yeah. There you go. You want to get dinner? No. <laughs> All right. See you hey, you want to go to Sizzler? What? Do they ask questions? Do we? We, you, I was just about to ask you. You want me to? We got uh, a few minutes. You want to let, yeah. let some of the maniacs ask you some questions? Yeah. All right. It's it's all about you, Jeffrey. I, I, no, no, I, I didn't so who would like to ask Jeffrey a question? All right. I, well, I'll I'll come. I'll bring you this, and you can ask Jeffrey your question. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi. When you're writing a script, how do you set up your kills? Ooh. Um, oh, that's a good outlining question. Yeah. Writer, yeah. You know what? I I try depending on what the story is. I try to. Think of something you can, because it, you can't really come up with something original. Original, like there's always going to be something that you've seen in some variation of a movie. So I just try to think of a twist on something. Um, like you think it's going to go this way, but then you know zig and then zag. Um, 
Or there's like a scene, I mean, I'm spoiling it. It's not from the movie tomorrow, it's from the slasher movie. But, you know, like there's a scene where we kind of establish this character early on, likes apples, and there's like this thing where this girl that likes him leaves him an apple, and she doesn't, he doesn't realize it's from the killer, so he takes a bite. You see him take a bite, and then when he takes a second bite, you see that there's like a razor in there. Um, and then he gets on the phone for a minute, so he's holding the apple, and you know the audience is going to be like, oh, fuck, he's going to bite that apple, and he does, and then Razor gets stuck in his teeth. So it's building suspense, I think, up to the kills, um, sometimes as opposed to just, like, what's the kill going to be? Because I think that's what makes Final Destination work, is, yes, we love the splat at the end of the build-up, but it's really, oh, that's going to happen. Oh, crap, it didn't. That's going to happen. You know, so I think the build-up is what really makes fun horror movies work. So when you're developing the characters, to build on your magnificent question, have the characters gotten away from you or you're like, as you're developing the characters, because writers are always saying this, the characters take on a life of all, all of their own. So in your developing or your outline, has that happened to you where this, it just completely goes off the rails from what you're expecting? No, my stories sometimes go off the rails from what I'm expecting, <laughs> but, um, but I get a good sense of my characters. It's... Because everybody has their process, and so I respect, just like acting, everybody's got their process. And so I, but for me with characters, I usually sometimes base them off people I know, so that I know I'm going to get that complexity, because like with anybody, when you meet them, you get that first impression, but then when you get to know them, you see the layers under them. Um, Or a lot of times I'll start with like an archetype and be like, okay, this is, this is the typical jock in this movie, but let's make him complicated and smart and not just a stupid job. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Expand um, on the, on the I, archetype. I, I more base it on somebody I know or kind of um, whatever that word is when you tear something apart. There's Deconstruct? Big, thank you. I was going to say it started with a D. Um, and, and who's been drinking tonight? <laughs> who else? So, yes, no, no characters. Have got, I, I, I know who my characters are once I start writing, but sometimes the story, I'm like, we're the, I don't know. I have no idea where yeah. I'm going with this. Yeah. All right. Who else has got a question? Oh, all right. Hmm. What have you got for Jeffrey? Hi, Jeffrey. Um, My question is, if you were to start over as a filmmaker now, um, just brand new starting out, what kind of things would you recommend for someone trying to do really low budget, really independent stuff like on phones, using film apps? What kind of tools and advice would you have for a brand new, very eager, but maybe doesn't know everything? And especially out here, because we are not LA. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the that's been the amazing thing about technology is you can, now with an iPhone, I mean, you have to still buy lenses, and there are special lenses you have to buy and stuff like that, but you can shoot a, a 4K film, like, on your iPhone, and What's great about it for me is I think it expands your opportunities to to get something made and made on a budget. Um, I would tell anybody, if you're a writer, make friends with writers for sure, but also make friends with directors and actors because it's an ecosystem. You all need each other. And so many times I go to conventions and the, the writers only hang out with writers and the directors only hang out with directors and the actors only hang out with each other. I'm like... Uh, you all need each other. <laughs> you guys should be like talking to each other. So I think finding a very finding a great support system and a support group around you is important. Um, I think you have to realize like some, something I heard when I was starting out is that it takes t- you know you have to be willing to commit ten years of your life to something like especially if it's a passion over a hobby. 
Um, and so when I went to New York, you know, 19, got an agent, I was like, fuck that rule. It was 10 years till I graduated high school that I sold Final Destination. So that rule turned out because, but the, but the thing is in that time, I was doing the waiting tables while I was interning for free. I was doing, you know, so if, if it's something that you really want to do, um, you should really put your, you know, you have to be willing to put the time and effort and be patient with yourself. Um, you have to be open to growing, which a lot of people, I see a lot of younger people, not even older people, what am I, when it's not, I don't want to get all the young people mad at me. Um, we, don't piss them off. They'll I know, their condolences at you. I know. And I can't run like I used to. So, um, no, I'm but. 39, it's okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just, you know, just learn to grow um, because you're always growing. When I wrote these cartoons, I learned so much that I had never even thought of when I was writing because I'm like, it's just a different side of your brain. So be open to growing, surround yourself with a strong support team, take opportunities when you can get them. Um, and learn also to take rejection. Like that's the hardest thing to do is to separate out. That's the best lesson I learned from New Line is I got to see how the sausage was made. So I knew that behind the scenes, like we didn't reject a script because it was bad. We sometimes would get amazing scripts in and then here comes Jim Carrey with a crappy script. And they're like, let's do the crappy script of Jim Carrey and pass on the good one. Um, so that's still kind of the the mantra today. It's like, you can't put your personal value as an artist on what other people say about your work. Um, but at the same time, you can also learn, if you're getting constructive criticism, how you can grow. But kind of detaching yourself, and I still am not perfect at it. Like, it, it is never fun to have a project turned down. It is never fun to read a bad review. It is never fun, you know, to do that. But you, you have to learn that your personal value um, and your talent isn't created to what somebody else says. Um, so that's kind of the Oprah-y kind of also te technical kind of advice I would give to if such a lady existed in the room that was asking that question. You get two paychecks. So uh, what is the most intricate <laughs> and wildest shot that you have done, seen, that you have shot, and you were pleased with at the end of results? You're like, there's no way this is going to work. And you see it finally in post and all that, and you're like, wow, this actually came across the way I wanted it to. Well, I can only use my, the stuff, the two things I directed for that question since, you know what I'm saying, as far mm -hmm. as like, because yep. that's where I plan the shots. Um, and there was a drone shot that I wanted to do in the Good Samaritan short um, that I love. And it turned out exactly how we had hoped it would. And it, we were worried because we were shooting in a neighborhood and the neighbors were being assholes. They're like, you're making noise. It's like, we're not making... Um, and so there was... You're a, breathing too loud. Yeah. Mm. And then it was like, so there was a lot of... And then the wind was kind of... There were a lot of things that could have... Were, were making that drone shot hard to get, but we got it, and I just love it. Excellent. Not well, that you have to watch that short tonight again. Well, I mean, we got... There is a drone shot we got some time. <laughs> Who else has a question? Anyone? I got it. You kind of? Yeah, are you sure? Kinda. You're like, ah, maybe, I don't know. I'm like, it's going to be a whack question, but listen. All right, all right, all right. It can't be that whack. All right, yeah. so, so now that you've gotten into the animated, the animation part, doing horror animation, mm -hmm. um, and you've dabbled, like, done the Netflix thing, um, do you see yourself jumping into a extended long series or wanting to do an extended long series of something? Like, since mo show, movies are... 
like shows are starting to become movies in shows, not not necessarily movies anymore. They're starting to become limited series. Limited series. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I we got, we got Lucifer, One Piece. I mean, there's a whole yeah. litany of things it, that have like landed. Yeah. No. I mean, that's that's where the business keeps changing because there was a time when people wanted to do limited series, but you keep it open enough that if it does well, then they'll pick it up. But then a lot of the companies are like, well. We like with our Netflix series, um, A Tale Dark and Grim. It's again kid series, so I don't. It's good, and we got nominated for a kids Emmy. I did drop that, but it, not just. But it's <laughs> it's cute when you watch it. You're gonna be like, it's it's cute. But they didn't renew it. They didn't do two seasons. They so like, we we have to wait till it comes out, see how it does, and then by the time it came out and they saw it was doing well, they're like, well, by the time we get all the writers back, it's going to be two years to write it and animate it, and th-. it's like. Yeah, so there's a lot of that going on business-wise. Like, and it's hard for me because I know everybody says, don't think about the business, just be creative. And that's what I'm telling you. So don't listen to this other part of me that in the back of my brain is like, I pitched like Netflix some limited series, like 10 episode things, and where I've met them and they've been like, this sounds interesting, you know, bring it into us. And then I pitch it and they're like, we like it, but we're kind of moving away from this. And then they move away for like a year and then they start doing them again. And I'm like... You guys are just, you're killing me, whatever, Smalls. Yeah, you're, you're killing, killing me, Smalls. Smalls. You're killing, killing me, Smalls. Killing me. Um, but yeah, long form is great because you get more time, I think, to explore characters. Um, and yeah, I have another animated show that we had pitched before the strike that was going to be 10 episodes. No, eight. I told them we should only do eight because not enough material for 10. We had a half a question. Uh, we had a question up here. and then We did? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, while I'm walking over there, is there, besides yourself, a writer or director that we should keep our eye on? Is there someone that you're like, holy shit, I'm, I'm, in, I'm digging this person? Oh, man. I wish. No. The, no, there's like nobody. No, no one else exists no, but me. No, the reason I wish that I did none of that, because I watch stuff, and I think there's a lot of a lot of people out there, but I know their movies, like the director of Barbarian. Fucking brilliant movie. Yes. Um, that is, yes. The directors have talked to me. Great directorial debut. Like, what a great job they did. Um, I Carter Smith's one of my favorite directors, but he did a short called Bug Crush that's really amazing. And then he did The Ruins, which I think is a really good film. Very understated film. Very, and, yes. And it didn't do well. So no. then all of a sudden now he's back yeah. doing indie horror, but he's really talented. And um, yeah, there's, just, I mean, there's a lot of film. It's hard to. Narrow that down? Yeah. Okay. If you follow me on Twitter... Um, yes. What is I'm, your Twitter handle? Yeah, it's my... Jeffrey A. Reddick. Okay. And I... The only reason I have people follow me on Twitter is I have, like, more followers. You like stalkers. It's okay. No, no. I, I don't... I can't get... Because I don't do Instagram stuff, you know? Like, that's all, like, if you're going to either post... The tiktok or yeah, the Because I, it's, it would be, like, me at Starbucks or me at home on my... Like, watch me type more. Watch me type at Starbucks. <laughs> watch me play with my cats while typing. Um, so I'm, I don't have an... Instagram. I'd watch you playing with your cats. Let's be honest. I'd do that. Yes, right? <laughs> Jeffrey Reddick at home with cats. <laughs> oh, that's like Jerry, that's better than Jerry Seinfeld in cards with like coffee and comics. I mean, that's oh, even better. That. Jeffrey Reddick. Yes, cats. Jeffrey Jeffrey Reddick playing with cats. What was your question? Um, is there anything that you regret or would do differently in your career? 
It's an excellent That's question. That's an excellent question um, and very personal. I'm, no, I'm, oh, I know. I, no, no, I'm sorry, you have to leave. Here's the door. That was a total joke. I fucking grew up in a trailer. I tell all my shit like on a first coffee meet. I'm like, here's every all here's everything bad that's happened to me. I don't care. Um, no, the two the two things that I regret, in all honesty, um, I wish after I sold this final destination, I had moved to Los Angeles in '97 because I stayed in New York and worked at New Line Cinema till 2001, till after I sold the second one. So out of sight, out of mind. So the Ooh. director. And his writing partner on the first Final Destination pretty much were, they got all the credit in Los Angeles. So I had to move out to LA, kind of reintroduce myself to the town. And thankfully, now people know that I created it, but it, that was. That's, that a, was, that's a huge like kick to, to the nads, really, because no one, no one knew. Yeah, but, the, but it's fine. You know, it's, it, it, you know, I, and then the, the other thing, and this does get serious, but I always think it's worth bringing up is, you know, I got sober 15 years ago, and I kind of wish I'd done that earlier. Um, and I don't ever preach about drinking or, or drugs of any kind. I'm just like, if you're at a, if if you can handle your liquor, awesome. That's amazing because I couldn't. So if you find that you can't, get help. You know, and there's no shame in that. And if you find that you're happy with what you're doing recreationally, don't start adding shit to it because drinking fine. But then I started. To sober up, I would start doing some coke just to sober up from the drinking. And luckily, I never got crazy with that, but that's how I see... Because addiction has ruined so many artists' lives that I know personally and just ruined their lives um, and took them a long time. And I wish I'd gotten sober a lot sooner. So I just say, if you're doing what you're doing and it's not like hurting your life, keep doing it, absolutely. Just don't start adding stuff on. Because once you start adding stuff on, then you need... It, it becomes a thing where it's like, I need more and more and more and more. So sobriety earlier and moving to Los Angeles earlier. Excellent. Who had the other question over here? You? Yes. All right. What do you got? So just wondering if, uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll be out in the hall. <laughs> <laughs> With all the projects that you have under your belt, especially, you know, Final Destination, are there still times where you're sitting down and you're writing and you are are still really hard on yourself and just say, God, I suck. You know, why am I even trying to do this? But I feel like that's just like a, a block that I constantly have while writing. It's like, oh, it's awful, you know, so. Yeah, you mean like my every other day? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Oh, that was Tuesday. No, that, on, but honestly, you know, that here's the thing, that, that never goes away. I don't think because when you're an art, when you're putting something creative out, like that's coming from your heart and your soul, like you are bearing a part of, a deep part of yourself, whether you're a singer, writer, whatever kind of artist you are. And it's painful to put that stuff out there. And then you have self-doubt about it because you feel like it has to be perfect. I mean, to have Final Destination, again, if, if, if I'd have made different choices, my career would probably be at a much bigger place than it is. And again, I'm very, I could die happy tomorrow with Final Destination because at least as a horror fan, I've made my mark. But, you know, I was chasing that dragon for a long time. Like, my next movie's got to be like, is successful as Final Destination, and you know I may never not I may never have another success at that level, um, but I have to stop, let that go at a certain point and just be like just start writing, because it, for me the self doubt means I'll start an idea and never finish it because then I'll move on to another idea and I have all the I, so I'm a very big proponent now of just like writing that vomit draft of the first draft of something and just getting it out because the rewritings where you do all the 
you just vomit out the first draft so you have the, all the clay there on the table and then you can start rewriting and chiseling it to make it perfect. But I think getting that first draft out and not caring if it's shit um, is, has been the best way for me to get past that. But even me saying that, I still, I was in my room last night trying to read over what I just wrote on the plane and I'm like, this sucks, I know, fuck me. I yeah, same, same conversations. Um, so we all battle that and I don't, I don't think success ever takes that away from you. You know, like I know people who are a thousand times more successful than me that still battle that same stuff, whether they're writers or actors or directors. Um, you know, that's just part of the being human and being humble, you know, cause the other extreme is you think everything you do is fucking amazing and then it's not any good and then you just never grow and you just keep doing shit, you know? So I think that that's part of the process and it keeps us humble um, and growing. Well, and one of the quotes from Neil Gaiman, who uh, what I, I find absolutely inspirational, is like, if you're a writer waiting for inspiration, that makes you a poet. It doesn't make you a writer. <laughs> so write every day, regardless. I have time for one more question. Anyone? Oh, we got two hands. Oh, who, who came up first? Well, all right, it was Jay, sorry. <laughs> Fuck y'all, I'll, I'll take you out to the ring. All right, what do you got? Is, is there a movement for archiving? Uh, there are old movies that only were released on VHS um, that are really literally dying out. Um, yeah. Uh, also, the fact that Netflix can just pull a film whenever they like. The fact that pirates are currently the best archivists and they have to be underground is very frustrating. You have certain plans for, like, obviously DVDs are already defunct. And, the physical media starts to... Yeah. Is there a movement to um, archive old and classic horror in this movie's general? Yeah, that's not... I mean, I, I, I know that there's, like, a National Film Archive, and I know there are organizations that are working, and that, that's just something that I'm not super... Right. There, I mean, there's a lot of foundations that are working on that particular thing. The problem is if something is still in print, who owns the rights? There, there's so much red tape in that particular venue. It's who owns it? Oh, Sony actually owns that. I mean, you'd be surprised as these studios have sold things off. You you don't know who owns it and who's actually sitting on the rights. For all yeah. we know, Michael Jackson still owns it. Yeah. <laughs> they own the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have a couple of projects that were done in the and then the companies went bankrupt because they didn't want to pay any residuals. And now it's like we don't know who owns yeah, the it's rights. Sitting in, it's I sitting in I don't have the rights to it. And it's like nobody can tell me. So it's – but – but you own all the rest of your shit going forward. You're like, you're like Taylor Swift. <laughs> yes, that's it. The Taylor Swift of the horror world right here, ladies oh, and gentlemen. <laughs> all right, guys, that is time for today. Any final words? How can everyone in this room and those online stalk you appropriately? Well, and the, the reason I brought up Twitter was not to... Have you follow me? Because I, whenever I, I watch, follow you. No, but but whenever I watch it, shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's the only time I've ever meant anything I've said to him. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. No, but um, whenever I see like a movie that I love or catch a director that I love, I always tweet about it. Mm -hmm. You know, because I like to support artists. So that's the best way to your question about are there people out there that you love? It's like there's so many movies that I see. I'm like, oh, this is great. You guys got to check it out. But my, my handle is Jeffrey A. Reddick on Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and anything else. Um, so, yeah, that's the best way to, to follow me. And 
I, I say this with all love. The only thing is I, I can't read scripts. <laughs> um, um, it's for your and his safety. It's all, yeah, I can only read scripts that come from an agent to my agent. So I can't read scripts. Um, but I am always, you know, loving to hear about what artists are doing. If you have stuff you want to, you know, promote, I'm more than happy to, like, promote it, you know, just as, as long as it's good. You know what? <laughs> Sometimes I don't care. I mean, some of the bad stuff is funny. Like, ah, this is so bad. I've got to promote yeah. the shit out of this. Yeah. I mean, here's what I would never, I will never lie. I will never say, this is a great movie. Check it out, unless I think it's a great movie. If I just say, hey, look at this movie. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Probably know that. Um, and on that bombshell, we shall let you go. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. We are the Colorado Festival of Horror. I am Smurf, 5280 Geek. Thank you so much. Good night. Thank <laughs> you.